from my experience, it's much more important to be an observer, you know, because people can talk a lot mm -hmm. and you can listen to all of that stuff. But if it, this is really the truth, you don't know. The only way how to figure it out, to look, to observe, to figure out, and then decide based on what is happening. Welcome to the new Tech Lead Podcast. We help you to be more confident leaders by avoiding the traps of inexperience and gain perspectives from leaders in tech, unlike theoretical videos. I appreciate you are here today. Let us bring more leadership skills to the business. Let's roll the interview. Welcome to our today's episode. Today, I joined by Payman. Welcome, Payman. Hi, thank you for the invitation. So our today's topic is step up to CTO. And I heard on your LinkedIn profile, you are a CTO. Can you talk a little bit about your background? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I um, work mainly as an interim CTO currently. I help other startups to uh, yeah, tackle the challenges of a CTO, to fill the gap if they have one, or at the same time also to uh, be a sparings partner for an existing CTO. Okay. Before we jump into the topic of stepping up to become a CTO, I would love to understand the difference between CIO and CTO. A lot of tech companies differentiate between the information officer or innovation officer yeah. um, compared to a, a tech officer. And I sometimes feel CTO is running the operations and the other one is doing the cool stuff. Um, depends. Like I, the, the funny thing is like both terms are not really defined anywhere. You know? So when you look in, in startups or in corporates, it's always different. You can see often CIOs in startups from my uh, experience, like most of the time it's a CTO. And I see it often separated in research and development, and which is often the CTO who's doing more or less like the innovative stuff, the new stuff, the new technologies. And the CIO is more responsible for the general operational um, execution of the IT, the security topics, ISO certifications, these kind of things. So a bit more bureaucratic, I would say. Okay, got it. So if I stand in front of the situation or decision pursuing a CIO or CTO position, what's, what's for whom? I would say if you are interested in new innovative topics, if you want to create something new, be creative, then it's more a CTO role. And if you're more like you want to run an existing IT operations, be busy with ISO certifications, regulations, and stuff like this, then it goes more into the direction of chief information officer. Okay, got it. Thank you so much. So with so many various roles as the CTO, how did you step up to become a CTO? Yeah, it, it was a pretty interesting ride, I would say. Like... Um, I, I started my career as an, as a media designer. So I joined a company and to be honest, I had very strong leaders in the beginning of my career. I, th I think that was very beneficial for me. So I had, in the end, I had three leaders. One was very much focused on the technology part. Another one was more on the external side, like say it's marketing. And the third one was an internal person and all my knowledge like oh, most of the knowledge is still based on, on the stuff which I learned in these first five, six years. So I became a media designer and at the same time, they asked me, don't you want to 
jump into software development. And I was like, yeah, I'm anyways very much interested in technology. So I started to do Java development, um, worked with them for around about seven years and understood these different worlds, like design, how to create user interfaces and stuff like that. And on the other side, how to understand the technology part and how to build all of these things. Um, and then I moved on. I moved on step by step to grow. Um, I asked them if, like, that I, I'm very much interested in studying in the university, for example. And they said, yeah, feel free to do that parallel to, to, to the work. So I was working full-time, 40 hours a week. And then um, started a Bachelor of Media and Computer Science and later a master in management. So I had these kind of different kind of perspectives from design, software development, and then also the management of teams and the uh, kind of more economical perspective. All of these things together made clear to me that I like to really have the big picture of a specific topic and not be only a gear in the system and be only just doing system uh, software engineering. Um, and when I became CTO, like I had a step before, I joined an early stage startup. Um, so I moved to Berlin, I joined an early stage startup in the field of AI. And I think well, it was one of the first engineers and the company had a strong growth. Like within three years, we had around about 100 employees in London, in New York, in Berlin. and. With the growth of the company, I was also growing and I had to really push for it because like nobody is coming to you to tell you, okay, you should become the next CTO or something like that. And in that company, I became the director of engineering. So I really was interested in changing going forward and learning new things, which is not only related to technology. So because I think most of the engineers, especially when I meet um, junior engineers who want to grow, they, they climb up the ladder, but at some point there's no, you can't get higher, right? At some point you're the CTO and you can't get higher. And most of the people have to decide, do they want to be an expert in a specific technology field or go a bit more broader and um, understand maybe how is product development, how is marketing working and all of these things to bring that together and to communicate the technical aspects to, to other departments. And my interest was mainly in that field. Like I was not interested in jumping deeper and deeper in technology aspects. There was a time where I was, but at some point I realized, okay, product is so interesting. I like to see the big picture and be responsible for the full thing. Yeah. That was mainly how I became CTO. Like the first step was director of engineering and then from director of engineering, where you were responsible for 30 people. There was not a huge step to become a CTO for other startups. Got it. What do you feel was in, in your scenario, the biggest challenge becoming a CTO and stepping up from this director role? Yeah, I think it was this kind of transformation, which you have to do because like as a software engineer, you often are very focused on specific topics. You develop the code. Sometimes you work even alone and while you, while the company was growing and you hire more people, you, you have to understand that, um, you can't do everything by yourself anymore. That means you need to have a team. You need to stop execute by yourself. You need to also have a strategic thinking, 
think of the organizational structure sometimes of your team, what kind of processes, what kind of frameworks you want to use to really build a healthy environment for the team. And main tasks which you are doing there are moderating, communicating, delegating tasks, um, sometimes deciding final uh, topics, but my style is more like I really try to empower um, the team so that they can decide by themselves and they only come to me in the worst case, like something is really going wrong and then I jump in to solve it. Um, but in the best case, it is like that, that you try to empower the team and help them also to grow. So you listed quite a few actions, uh, decisions and, and topics here. What was for you the, the one that took the longest to grasp? It's the, the transformation, to be honest, like from being a software engineer to become someone who is, um, more oriented on organizing a healthy team. But that was from my point of view, the most complicated part, because you need to let go, you know, like you need to let go your software, someone else can take care of it and be responsible for it. Mm -hmm. Maybe you build it and it's your baby, but at some point you have to understand, okay, I can do other things, things which are more interesting maybe uh, to me and help others to, to grow. Yeah. I, I think for the audience, it's really hard to grasp transformation because it's such a bad word, 2022, 2023, um, digital transformation, growth mindset, um, and yeah, personal growth transformation. So it's really hard to grasp, but mm -hmm. I love the idea and, and the, the one, one of the challenges becoming an expert and at your craft, you're really proud of it. And at some point to accelerate and scale, you have to let go of being responsible for crafting and rather focusing on scaling. So you have to kind of give up what you dedicated yourself to. That's true. It, it can be pretty hard. Um, but you know, like you have to give away your ego on these topics sometimes, you know, like sometimes you are really so much into a specific topic and you build it and everything, but it's, it's clever to, uh, yeah, be aware of that, that maybe it's not the best decision to stick to the way how you work before and learn something new. Got it. With, with the CDO and, and the glorification of, of chief roles, um, what do you feel is the most common misconception of the role as a CTO in specific? Yeah. Um, and most of the time I see that they really think it's a technical role and somehow it is a technical role, but in general, it is a business role. Like you work with the C level and you need to communicate a lot and not sit down and, and code and be too much deep too, too deep into the technology, um, like on the executional level, like it's, it's from my perspective, it's really a business role. So when you look at all the bigger corporates on Microsoft on Google on whatever kind of big corporates that are out there, mainly in the IT area, the CEOs are, um, originally engineers. Mm -hmm. So that means, um, they did this transformation, but I think it's clever that you see your own perspective when you want to become a CTO that on the one side, okay, it's a technical role, but my focus is not so deeply anymore on the technology, uh, because I need to organize a department or a whole company. And I think that is the biggest misconception. 
Another thing maybe which is also interesting, which goes can, can you rephrase that? Because I so what I was hearing was people think it's way more technical yeah. than than they pursue from the outside, and then it's much more communication driven than you think. Yeah, definitely. Because you're not alone anymore. So if you if you're a technical person, you can build by yourself something awesome, right? Yeah. Some kind of totally tools, some kind of application. But when you lead in a whole department, it's a lot about communication. It's a lot about people management also. So it's not so technical. You need a lot of um, emotional intelligence to understand these different people, to put them in the right position so that the whole team and the whole company can grow. And always with this kind of focus of how can I use the technology to make the business successful. So the big business and the customer in the end is, is um, on the highest focus. Um, yeah. And on the other side, I have to say, like, there are these classical perspectives of how a leader or how a CTO needs to be. Like, he needs to be a speaker, like, go on stage and be a stage guy or um, be a really good listener and stuff like this. Um, my style and the way how I support my clients uh, isn't good, doesn't go into that direction. Like, because, like, from my experience, it's much more important to be an observer, you know, because people can talk a lot mm -hmm. and you can listen to all of that stuff. But if it, this is really the truth, you don't know. The only way how to figure it out, to look, to observe, to figure out and then decide based on what is happening. Um, and I think this is also a misconception of a leadership role or also a CTO role that people think, okay, you need to be loud. You need to go out and be on stage. Mm -hmm. Got it. So with the CTO role and the misconceptions, I also feel a lot of people crave for the role because you can take the decisions. Yeah. It's so true. I can be in charge. Yeah. I can decide everything. Is there someone else who can overrule you, overrule you in your decisions? Yeah, definitely. Like when you're CTO, definitely. Um, it's the other departments often, like mainly the CEO. It's mainly the business because you have to bring all of these different things together. Like it's, it's not only like you're the CTO, you're the boss and you can take whatever or we can do whatever you want. On the one side, it's the rest of the management, which needs to be in harmony with your decision. And the second thing is also your team. Like you're in between two different kind of positions. Like on the one side, the team has a maybe, maybe a very specific point of view. Even each individual has often a specific point of view. And the management has also a different point of view. Like marketing or sales, they work totally different than IT departments, for example. And they don't understand, for example, why you should not do customizations, you know, because they can close the deal and it brings a lot of money maybe in. Yeah. But the team is like, okay, then we have five different products and we can manage that. And um, you're the person who has to communicate this and make this understandable for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Agreeing. And I love that example because a lot of customers or customers always want to have individual designs. Yes. But they never want to pay for it. So it's like, yeah, can we have this in which you mass produced now individualized for just us, but we won't pay you for yes. anything for it. And I think this, this customer demand is really... Um, really taking a toll on, on sales, marketing, and IT altogether. So with that in mind, 
what has been your hardest decision as a CTO or even as a CTO advisor? I, I founded one time an own business with a partner and my main role was the CTO role, like the technical role. Mm -hmm. So I was also founder and I decided at some point to leave the business. And I think this was the hardest decision. It's not so much a technical decision. It was more on the, yeah, on the, on the founding level. And I think that was really hard because like I put a lot of money onto that. I put a lot of effort into that. And in the end, we realized that I can't work in that kind of way. Like me and my partner, we had totally different kind of um, views on how to, how to uh, set up the business and how to create this kind of product. And I think that was the hardest decision. And my learning from that is like uh, to really have a, especially when you want to set up a business with someone together, it's like marrying someone, you know, like it's, it's, you need to be really hundred percent sure that you have the same perspective and you want to go into the same direction. Wow. Yeah. And the second thing maybe, which is also very hard, which is more CTO related is to, um, yeah, fire people. Sometimes it's necessary. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's pretty, pretty hard because it's like the last thing what you can do. I, I feel you. The last resort in dealing with business or doing business. I mean, usually I try to really help everyone because you have sometimes people who maybe reach their, uh, yeah, they reach some limits in, in what, in what they're capable and then they lose themselves and you try to help them to find another kind of spot. Mm -hmm. like maybe someone who was an engineer can become a product owner or can go into a direction of becoming a scrum master, but they often need this kind of space to be able to develop in that field. And sometimes it also doesn't work. Sometimes it's really like, okay, it, it just doesn't work out and you need to figure out that it's better to separate and, um, that this person, uh, finds another place or another spot in another company, mm -hmm. um, because the interest is different or something like that, you know, because like things change also, right? Oh, absolutely. Now, when it comes to the decisions, you are a corporate advisor to other CTOs and a kind of the, the tandem for a specific time or for a specific problem. How, how does that work? Do people reach out because they feel like, hey, we're starting a business and for the next three months I need guidance and it's a good thing just for confidence or... Is it rather we have this specific problem laying off 20 people, just an example I made up right now, um, and I need your emotional or process support for execution? Yeah, there are two main things which I see in the past. It was always like this. One thing is like I'm the firefighter. That means there was a CTO leaving the business and there's no CTO anymore. So somebody needs to jump in and be an interim role or a fractional CTO to make, make sure that the existing system is running and everything works as stable as possible. And often when you, when you jump in, you're the firefighter. Like there are a lot of kind of issues in the team, which you need to solve somehow. This is one scenario. And the second scenario, which is much nicer also for me is, um, for example, I had a client, um, they, I think they were aware already that soon they will be acquired by a bigger corporate in the US mm -hmm. and they realize, okay, we have a really strong CTO in this startup, 
but he's mainly a coder. And soon he will have a team of 90 people and he needs to travel a lot to the US, to New York, speak with the um, management of this corporate, which acquires us soon, hopefully. And we need to make sure that he has leadership skills, he understands business and knows how to move in this kind of, um, yeah, in this kind of water. And there I'm a sparing partner. That means like I worked with him, for example, around about two years and reflected about how he's working, what exactly the issues are, for example, in the current team or this also technology topics, for example. And because often these people, they have the kind of, these kind of horse blinders, you know, like they, they, they just so much focus on their own kind of business that they don't see what is happening left and right. And I question mainly their decisions. I help them to understand other perspectives. And in this kind of way, they figure out how to take better decisions and, um, and grow. Got it. Do you have another example for us? Um, for the sparing partner part? Yeah. Is, is there also, so I'm, I'm hearing a lot of firefighter yeah. when there's a problem or there's a gap that there is no, there is no CTO yeah. and I neglected that. I really focused on, on the sparring partner part, mm -hmm. but I like the distinguishment between joining and, and taking a step up of a CTO who, who just yeah, vanished mm -hmm. and then helping people. When it comes to the vanishing, uh, how long does it take you to actually ramp up to, to run the business? Yeah. So you get used to things, but I, I can imagine if you yourself are ramping up for becoming a CTO, there's so much on your checklist you need to know. Yeah. Like on which systems does it run? Where's the data? Uh, what kind of cloud providers do you have? What a kind of cloud mix? Yeah. Do you have any racks in the cellar? Who has the key for them? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. So what I do is, um, like if I'm if if I have to take responsibility for let's say six months or something like that, and then I jump in, and the first thing what I do is I do a tech due diligence, like I do a tech DD. I don't do it by myself. I usually hire an external company to do that because it's an outside view and they do mainly this and they're very highly um, professional on that topic. And after 10 days, for example, like they come in, they do interviews, the team needs to prepare some kind of documentation. After this, I have a pretty good overview of the situation of the, of the IT department. And this is easily uh, able to to communicate to, to the rest of the management. And there you see, can also directly see the gaps because somebody did the analytics for you in the end. And my task is mainly then to focus on the highest risks and make sure that the system stays stable as possible. And often it's just a bit project related then, you know, they, like you see, okay, we have, I don't know, a kind of, uh, I am like identity and access management system in the company, and it's a very old version. It's a high risk. We need to update that. We need to make it scalable. Um, make sure that the the system doesn't go down, and we have a backup of that and things like that. That's usually how I do it, and I think it's a it's a pretty solid way of how to solve that issue. And the the question was in the beginning also from your side. Um, when when do you see the first results, right? 
And I think it takes around about two, three months before you really see the first results. Because it really takes time, depending on how big the team also is. Like if you have a really small team, then it's maybe faster, but usually the teams are around about 10, 20, 30 people or something like that. That is super insightful. Um, I go for a quick wrap up here. So we started out with the difference between the CIO information officer and the CTO tech officer. And I like the distinction if you're really nitty gritty, interested in security, uh, in information security, compliance, CISO certificates, and securing the company, the CIO and information officer, not to differ or, or forget that as also might be an innovation officer, something totally different. And then the tech focusing on the future and a little bit also on the cooperations. We then stepped into the biggest challenges becoming a CTO. And from your perspective, it was letting go of your craft or your expertise and move on into a broader field. Um, the most common misconception was probably one that you can take the whole decisions. I jumped in, but there are other misconceptions related to the CTO, which, which you unraveled. And when it comes to the hardest decision, for you personally, there was this letting go of a company you founded and the people conversation or letting go of people. And super insightful from you and from your experience offering your service of joining as a CTO. And I, in that sense, totally neglected the firefighter part you did yourself, uh, jumping in as an interim CTO. And then the firefighter companion service you offer, which you jump in and accomplish goals with other CTOs together and kind of lead the way and help them to drive different perspectives. Now, looking at our whole episode, how would you like to finish our episode and round it up today? Um, I, I think like, especially when I look at my um, kind of career and we have to this kind of reflection. Um, I, I saw last time this kind of video from Steve Jobs about connecting the dots. Maybe you know that he's mainly saying like, you can't connect the dot dots looking forward, but you can always connect it when you look backwards. And I think this is pretty important to understand, especially for the younger generations that you, you need to have the trust that whatever you do right now, later in the best case, um, you can really connect the dots. Um, because when I started as a media designer, I didn't know that I would become a CTO at some point, you know, like it was pretty impossible to see that. I just did what I liked and at some point, um, it matched. Wow. Thank you so much. I feel this also gives, um, leaves a lot of pressure yeah. off, of this career and off this drive of people who are pursuing it. Thank you so much for joining our today's episode. Thank you, Marvin. Thank you for the invitation. It was really nice to speak to you. Thank you for listening to the New Tech Lead podcast. This interview was presented to you by Marvin and the New Tech Lead production team. Special thanks to our guest and interview partner. Follow us for more podcasts, check us out on LinkedIn, or visit our website, newtechlead.com. Happy learning and leading. Cheers.